Welcome to I Do, I Did, I'm Done, the podcast about life's challenges and how to handle them. I'm Randy Fincher. I'm a wife, mama, and a wedding planner. I'm Henry Fincher, and I'm a trial lawyer. We're We're married. married. So today on I Do, I Did, I'm Done, uh, Randy and I are going to tell you about us and how we originally do and did and then eventually got done. And it has a happy ending. We found each other. We're in love and things are great. Uh, but we went through some tough times. To get some here, crazy we? shit, y'all. <laughs> Bat shit crazy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Randy, uh, tell us a little bit about the I do part of your story. Oh, goodness. Well, the good outcome is that it, it came to you. So that's good because uh-huh. I actually like being married to you. For the, most, for the most part. Randy's often told me that this is her favorite marriage so far. <laughs> so I'm, Better I'm working, be yours. I'm working hard to keep my ratings. So. Well, anyways, well, you know, from Cookville and lived here forever and, you know, would move to several different houses. We always had a joke that wherever we would build a house, that would be the school that I would go to. So I've been to, God, at least over five schools and ended up going to Clay County, graduated, went to MTSU and did all the things that every Southern woman tells their child to do. Got married to my high school sweetheart and got shit on. Had a baby. So, you know, it was loads of fun and ended up marrying my divorce attorney. So I literally feel like Charlotte from Sex in the City. We have a beautiful daughter and I have a great stepdaughter and I have a daughter from a previous marriage and we're just living our best Cookville life. So, you know, all the fun things. Yeah, it's been a ride. My story is a little bit longer than Randy's. I well, also, it would be because you're older than me. That's right. 23 years older. Yes. What does my mama say? I'd rather be an old man's darling than a little boy's slave. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, I, I work every day to keep that darling part in there. Um, grew up here in Cookville, went to UT and then to Harvard Law School, tried uh, practicing in Nashville, didn't really care for it. Moved home and set up my practice. And since then, I've been trying cases and, and fighting with other lawyers since, doing a healthy amount of divorce work. I've, I've figured I've probably done about 800 different divorce cases in my career, looking at my files recently, um, and that with a whole lot of other things, uh, business disputes, uh, state disputes. Anyway, people can find a way to fight over something. Uh, they tend to find their way to my office, as you did with your divorce. I wasn't expecting to fall in love, but uh, it took some time, but it it certainly happened. Actually, it didn't take any time at all, but I like you to think that it did. Um, But yeah, we're here. I have a 23-year-old daughter who just graduated from MTSU. Go Raiders, go. Yeah, and uh, and a uh, one-year-old daughter, Maggie, who... uh, who gave us a scare at the beginning. Tell us about that scare. Andy. Good God. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Millie Moo, too. We I'm not her. forgetting Millie ever. Miss Millie's five years old. She's next week almost, about two weeks from now. That's a whole hand in case you're counting. Yeah, a whole hand. And so, yeah. So she's uh, she's uh, the light of the house. She's the queen. Yes. But tell us about the NICU. Yeah, the NICU, 150-ish days of hell. You have a healthy first child, 37 weeks one day, weighing almost eight pounds. And then we end up going through a horrible miscarriage of losing twins. We get pregnant and we have Maggie and sicker than a dog. And everything was great other than, you know, throwing my head up and go to the anatomy scan. Everything's fine. Bam, two weeks later to the day. 
my water breaks. 22 weeks. That's the very, days. the very edge of viability and the youngest female baby at Vanderbilt to make it. The, yeah. The and other one. Yeah. Just not really something to, you know, that you want to brag about, but, you know, I'm happy to brag about for sure. Well, it has a happy ending. So pleased to report Miss Maggie is a fine, happy, fat baby who loves to laugh and is hitting all the milestones. Yeah. Now, she's but. perfect. I mean, she does. I literally, I get so upset sometimes because I'm like, I've gone through all this hell. I've been gutting like a damn deer. And she came out and she is your clone. I'm like, look at, look like me just a little bit, just a little bit would be nice. Well, we hope she has grows looking like me because oh. it'll definitely be a, a she's precious she doesn't, it will so. not you're you're stud <laughs> oh thank you you my baby well but so yeah we we went through it less than what about uh, about eight months into our marriage uh we're in the hospital and uh randy uh she didn't like to talk about it but she almost died too it was uh very difficult we she bounced back quicker than the baby the baby had to grow essentially for four months in the one of those incubators and they call them giraffes uh, at the NICU cannot sing Vanderbilt's praises higher um, that hurts because I went to UT but but their NICU is superb uh, yeah the wonderful good. amazing nurses and yeah. doctors that are there they all always hold a special place in my heart but every day you know it's uh, 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 some people I know in town have been through it but they're you can't explain going to bed not knowing if your baby's going to be alive when you wake up. That's a special yeah. kind well, of thing. Well, and congratulations to Maggie yeah. and us today because yeah. the first day that we're recording our podcast is the first day we ever got to hold her. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember that day very well. Yeah, me yeah. too. Good Christmas present. But anyway, so we got through that. And we're still here. She hadn't killed me yet. And, um, hey, life is life is good. <laughs> life is good. Yeah, I like you most days. Most days. Most days. Well, you know, it's yeah. a marriage. So, so what's the done, what's the done part that you're done with in your life? Oh, what I got done with? Well, so, some things I got done with and some things got done with me. Um, <laughs> in, my, in my previous life, uh, I was a young up-and-coming uh, politician. I was elected to the state house, uh, rapidly moved up in the leadership down at the state house. And then uh, in the same year, uh, and, and it all came down on the same week, I got divorced from my uh, then wife of 15 years and got beat uh, in an election. It was a surprise way to me anyway. It was a surprise wave election. And uh, yeah, so I was out of a political career uh, and out of a marriage in the same week. So I did what any good Tennessee boy would do. I loaded up my truck and drove up to the Continental Divide and sat in the snow for about two weeks figuring out my next move. And uh Turned out my next move was to come back here and work and help raise my then uh, 11-year-old daughter. And, uh, yeah, she lived with me eventually full-time by the time she was in high school. Uh, well, I shouldn't say full-time. I mean, my wife is very involved in, in her raising as well. Ex. Ex-wife. Yeah, yes. don't forget that. Uh, well, you know, I've only got two. So we can narrow it down. I've got my good one and then the bad one. So <laughs> Anyway, so you're the good one, by the way. Oh, I knew so, that. Yeah, I know you did. So going through the divorce and, you know, living in a small town, being divorced, it's kind of a, they still have the Scarlet A mentality in some ways, especially when you've been out in the public view like, uh, like I was. Yours was the same, but just because, like us, you and your folks know everybody. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And it was very uh, out front, and, and people know about it just because it's uh, a town where And I, my favorite right thing is people thought that they knew more than I did, and sometimes they did. 
Oh, the way this town can make. Up I found stories. out more about myself of apparently what I what I didn't do or what I did do based off of the community telling me what I was doing. I've heard tales I only wish I could have gotten up to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that guy was. He was having a good time. So, like I yeah. said, on my my bucket list to get married ever again. They need to be in Capshaw School District. Enjoy long walks around Dogwood Park. Feed me, fuck me, and tell me I'm pretty. And go to bed at eight o'clock and you do just that. Hey. So <laughs> winner winner. So yeah. Ring no. the bell. Yeah. That's uh well, you you're a joy to go through this life with. And even when we were in those dark days in the hospital, you were a trooper. You rose to every occasion. Well, Laura, we didn't have time to think of anything but, you know, pumping mm. like a milk cow and doing what we had to do and we did it. Other people could have quit, but you didn't. You did good. No, you're sweet yeah. most days. Well, I don't know that I'd say that I'm sweet most days. But well, you know what? You I'm sweet just... on you every day. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> well, I'm glad that NICU life is behind us. Fingers crossed. No doubt. No doubt. What about you? What are you done with? Oh, God. I think the biggest thing for myself of what I'm done with is just given two shits what people think i think through the divorce and through dating you and going through life and becoming your wife and then the NICU and just everything like i just don't give two shits anymore you know i really believe the NICU made me mean and stronger tougher meaner not just completely bitch mean but a little bit of that too but I tell people the only thing that I care about are the people in my house who I have to take care of and the one I have to sleep with. And I mean it. It's just a lot easier. And it's just like a chain broken from my body. I don't have to sit in, you know, oh, my God, so-and-so said this or that lipstick doesn't look right or I can't believe you're wearing that. You know, with Maggie, I ended up losing like 95 pounds. And so if I want to wear a little short skirt, you know, every once in a while, (laughs) I'm going to because I finally can and I don't look like the muffin man when I put it on, you know, (laughs) or if I want to wear my high-waisted skinny jeans, the Gen Z's can kiss my honey. So, you know, I'm going to do what what I feel like is best. And as long as I'm a good wife and a good mama – that's all I care about. So I think really, just letting go, just just saying, kiss my ass, you know, in, in the nicest way possible. But it's just, it's a relief to not have to give two shits anymore. Well, you're really onto something because when you are thrust into a situation where you're subject to criticism for whatever reason, particularly as, as you were where it, it happened to you, not uh, you weren't you weren't part of it. It just, it, it happened to you and people will judge you and, and make decisions about you. And some people, let's face it, they take joy in other people's misfortune. Uh, they're schadenfreude about what everybody is feeling is their own pleasure. And so faced with that, you face, I found, I faced an emotional choice I could either spend my energy worrying about all this and feeling bad about it and carrying around this weight and shame or guilt or or negativity that they thrust on me. Oh, yeah, me, absolutely. Or I could shed it and I could just say, you know, think what you want to think. And when you get to the point of being truly apathetic about people that ultimately don't 
impact your life in a great way, it's a big relief. And oh, you can I, yeah. And you can totally. focus on the things that matter, like your family and your job and your career and your health and all these things. And I'm with you. And so being done with the the burdens others presume to place upon you is key to getting through this process. In my advising of people that are going through a divorce, so many people, particularly when they come in, are just shattered by by guilt and weighted Or confusion. Down. I remember just being oh, like, what? He did this? Terrified. What is this? You know, and there's... You just don't cross a Southern woman, you know, especially her mama. And you find out all that you found out. I remember coming to your office and being like, well, surely he wouldn't do this. And you're like, you need to open your eyes. This is in front of you. Yes, it's right. Here's proof. Yeah. I mean, and you, you don't know what to think. Well, this and the smoking gun for the sort of things that were going on isn't there. It's rare to have somebody who's dumb enough to make a tape of themselves in the act. But it's a, it's a million little things. I remember I had one client come in. There was a hotel receipt for this out-of-town place. This was before internet. Hotel receipt from out-of-town. The guy was It's supposed to be in a different city. There were phone calls to this woman's number in this same city. Sounds really familiar. I know, right? And the... The, the the wife who'd hired me really didn't she just she was you don't in want to believe it well denial is is one of the first responses to this plus you don't want to jump to conclusions and you can't it's hard to think that this person is uh, is doing this to you but it's like look you know all if, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck it's, it's a, a damn duck. duck it's a damn duck and so sometimes you got to chop a head off that duck and move on it's hard to get there though but watching them go through this weighted down with the grief and shame that other people have put on them uh, is is hard to witness because I know what they're going through and nobody can walk through that valley but them. Yep, absolutely. But hopefully hearing about it, knowing they're not alone, knowing that these things are put on them by somebody else. Once, once I realized that, it was easier to get mad about it, which is the next step towards... Getting to some place of acceptance. The stages of grief uh, really apply with equal force to the marriage. It's just a longer process. Yeah. You're grieving the loss of that marriage. Now that I found out what all I knew, I'm not grieving a bit. <laughs> Good, <baby. laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely have traded up. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I should I know you have. <laughs> I know you have too, baby. <laughs> Why did you want to do a podcast? Well, I liked your idea of doing a podcast because it gives us a chance to take the experiences we've had and share them with other people. Uh, Other folks can hear about it, learn about it, evaluate it, see if something works for them, and maybe they find something to help them get through a, a harder situation. The thing I like about my job, I think the thing you love about your job, is helping people breathe easier. That's a really good way to put that. That's exactly what we do. And I'd like to say I came up with it, but it was actually Ralph Waldo Emerson. His definition of a successful life is that one person has breathed easier because you were here. And in our jobs, we get to do that almost every day. Yeah, for me, one of the reasons that I wanted to record the podcast with you is because I wanted, I knew I wanted to do it with someone. I didn't want to be by myself. And to me, you're the easiest person to talk to. Plus, you're so interesting. And I think we have so many good things to share with people that are listening, whether it be our community or really anywhere. 
and we've been through hell and back. You know, I look at my life and I'm 31 and I feel like I've lived more life the past 11 years than anybody has in 50, you know, going through divorce, going through, you know, graduation and going through all the fun things, getting a master's degree, moving around as many times as I have and getting married and figuring out. And I feel like I married a, a hot mess express and then I'll hop on to, you know, my true love and which is my divorce attorney. And I literally feel like Charlotte from sex in the city. <laughs> and I always did like her. So it's great. But I just think that there's I always, always love to hear about people, their podcast and what all they've accomplished. But if it's one thing that I, I never hear about are the struggles that how they got to where they're at. And I really wanted to make sure that we recorded something that was real and raw and real life moments and not something that is just, oh, great, we've accomplished all this and we're just doing fabulous and our life is great. You know, like, yeah, there's sometimes I don't want to wear a bra and there's sometimes I don't want to wear makeup like I'm not wearing a stitch right now. And there's sometimes that I'm just want to pull my hair out strand by strand because I'm going nuts and that's okay because that's life. And so I think, you know, there's beauty in the chaos. And I think that having something to listen to that people can relate to that lets them know that they're not on the crazy shit show train alone to me is just <laughs> the best thing that we could do with our time to give back to other people. So I'm looking forward to doing this. That's great because, you know, real life is often real hard. And everyone, there's nothing easy about know, it. Everyone, <laughs> We've learned that. Everyone likes to put the veneer out that, hey, everything's great. We're looking great. What, nothing's wrong with me. What's wrong with you? No, everything's fine. When, you know, we've, we've all got challenges. We've all got things. The, the tendency is to hide it and to not talk about these hard times and the things that, that have to be confronted and, and overcome because they're uncomfortable when you go through them. They're uncomfortable to talk about, but that's what people need to hear who are going through uncomfortable times. You got a great idea with this. I'm I'm happy. Well, I think about you know like the NICU, like we've talked about, but like literally, like I told you last night, I'm sitting there drying my hair, and I'm like, oh look at the clock, we've got to go run to the hospital. Oh wait, Maggie's in the floor, you know, and it's like we have these flashbacks of things that we've lived through, and I'm like, shit. We've been through that hard stuff. Yeah, life's not easy. But I look about where we have come to, and it just amazes me because I'm just like, I can't believe we've done that, you know? And we really haven't talked a lot about it. People have absolutely no idea. And, you know, if it's anything that the NICUs made me realize are the people that you thought would be there, they're not there. And the people that come to you and congratulate you and hold your hand when you cry, sometimes, you know, you realize the people that matter most are not the people that are in your inner circle and they're people on the outer circle and you make stronger relationships and stronger bonds with people that way. And so I just want to say thank you while we're here to everybody that reached out to us in the NICU to say thank you to them. Amen to that. And all the people that prayed and that sent well wishes and did everything. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of truth there that you don't know who's going to be there when bad shit goes down. I, when I first ran for office, I had friends support the other side. I was floored by that. When I got divorced, people who I'd known for years were suddenly enemies. They were gone. They, they turned on me. And they, they, it, it, That's it why still, I don't have many friends. It still, it still, <laughs> it still makes me angry after all these years. And when we were going through the NICU, different people deal with it different ways. And 
sometimes the easiest way for people to deal with others' pain is to just kind of float past it and ignore it and maybe pay it lip service. But there are a ton of people who are there who are helping. And, and you know what? It's okay because they do them. We made it. They couldn't walk this path without us. And it's made us stronger. Can you please share our family motto with everyone? <laughs> what did you tell me every day in the NICU when I would when I would cry and be upset about my, maybe I had a clogged milk duck or Maggie wasn't having a good day or people were just driving us batshit crazy? Can you please and share like where it came from? Are you talking about fuck them and feed them fish heads? Absolutely. Say it again. Fuck them. Feed them fish heads. I <laughs> um, love that. <laughs> uh I'm not sure where it came from. I've heard it from my youth. I will tell a good story about this. A friend of mine, Mike Crass, lawyer down Sparta. I'm stealing your story, Mike. He was at Oxford University. He was at a dinner and he was at this table with some big hotshot British lord. And he said, tell us a story from your home country, a phrase and what's behind it. Mike says, man, I'm sitting there, I'm eating this dinner. And the only phrase I can think of is fuck him and feed him fish heads. He's like, I know I can't say this. It's Oxford. I need to come up with something better than that, but I can't do it. And he said, thank God the, the round robin at the table ended before it got to him because he couldn't think of a better phrase. But you know what? That phrase is also the essence of uh, Buddhism, which is to let go of all expectations and desire. Now, that's obviously Hank Fincher's slow version of uh, an entire religious doctrine. But if you can let go of the expectation, which is the source of all life's disappointment, then you don't get disappointed. And so it doesn't mean you quit hoping or you lay down, you die. But if you just say, fuck them and feed them fish heads. Yeah, like, you know what? Screw you. I don't, you, exactly. And yeah. I think that's the, the best thing that I have realized, especially being a Southern Belle pageant has been queen, thinking that everything has to be perfect all the time. And here I am as a wedding planner and going into the more of the bridal education route. But, you know, hearing that F them and feed them fish heads, like it's, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for you. And like you told me in the Nick, Nick, you good enough is good enough. Yeah. And my old self would be like, Oh my God, good enough is good enough. I can't do this. But now I'm just like, you know what? I brushed my teeth today. I put a bra on. I got shoes on. I'm doing good. You know, I'm alive. I may look like a railroad rat whore, but at least I'm (laughs) above ground and I don't look you know, I mean, I may look rough, but you know, at least I'm comfy and at least I have a roof over my head and at least my girls are happy and at least my husband's happy. And that's all that matters to me. Hey, my grandfather, uh, rest his soul, had a phrase. He was a World War One veteran. Gives you an idea of how old he was. Uh, he'd say, aim for the moon, even if you don't hit nothing but the wood pile. And, you know, give it what you got. And good enough is good enough. Yeah, perfection is a great aspiration. But you got to get your stuff done and you got to function and perform for those around you. And that's what you did. And that's what I did in that hospital. And uh, you know what? The, and they did their job. And our girls, said. too. Like, oh, just, yeah. I mean. Millie was a trooper. I mean, four, three and four years old going through all that. I, I'm so excited to go. We're actually going to be taking her to the Graduate Hotel in Nashville. Dolly Parton's Hotel. Dolly Parton Hotel. We call her Aunt Dolly, y'all, because we love Aunt Dolly because she <laughs> sends us books. And our, her love language is gifts and quality time. And 
we're just excited to be able to make a new memory in Nashville. And I remember telling her we're going to take her. And she said, Mama, we don't have to go to the hospital, do we? And I thought, wow. wow. Yeah. I said, no, honey, we don't. She goes, what are we going to do? <laughs> I said, we are going to go to Andelli's hotel. We're going to have a fancy dinner. She says, mommy, will they light bananas on fire? And I said, <laughs> we will foster. have bananas foster we and go. we will go to American girl doll. She goes, I know which one I want to get. She says, and you tell Bob about a whoop so he can buy pretty dresses and he can buy pretty dolls. And I said, okay, I'll let him know. So I'm just excited to be able to make a new memory and I'm proud of our kids. And yeah, we're just, you know, we're hanging. Sometimes I feel like Rose on that eye, on the piece of ice just hanging on. But you know what? At least I swim. Treat me better than Leonardo DiCaprio got. So I still don't know why I, she, you know, she had room there was, on that There board. was plenty of room. She had room. But anyway. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're hanging on and we're doing good. All so. right. So the podcast, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you listen to us and and get something useful tell your friends tell your family if you like it if you don't like it don't tell nobody nothing yeah absolutely (laughs) and be on the lookout for lots of fun things great guests great conversation between the both of us just of everyday raw and real moments and lots of christian cussing so (laughs) we'll have tons of fun all right okay you handsome i love you too you pretty